Guys, so today, how are you all feeling? Is everyone good? Yeah. Yeah, yeah everyone ready? Energetic, energized, excited to be here. No place you'd rather be than a church. Come on. Come on, you liars. What are you? Yeah, what do you want to watch on TV at this time, eh? Yeah, I know it's Grand Prix. I don't know what some of you guys. Mm. Thank the Lord for catch-up. But today we're going to be talking about something more important than any TV program, any kind of other space you could, you know, spend your time or lay down your life for. And that's, we've been talking about mission and looking at this whole theme of mission and actually being a sent people, not just a gathered people. Yeah. And looking away from just how we please ourselves and how we keep our little church family happy, but rather how do we bless the nations of the world? How do we think beyond the borders of our own four walls yeah. for the church? And I think it's time that we actually start really getting to grips with this thing because if we don't do it now, we will waste our lives and get to the end of our lives just living for a small vision about, oh, I went to a church where they kept me happy and they told me how great I was. Mm. I don't know about you, but I really don't want to be a part of that church. Mm. I'd rather be at a church where no one told me how great I am. Please do tell me. It's, it's quite nice sometimes. <laughs> but um, I'd rather be at a church where that doesn't happen, but we have the mission central in our hearts. Yeah. And we get to the end of our lives and we see hundreds and thousands of people come to know Jesus as a result of our sacrifices and laying down of our lives. Then getting to the end of our lives and saying, hey, I've got hundreds and thousands of pounds in my bank account. Yeah. I'd rather that. Yeah. Somebody like, I'd rather have the hundreds of thousands of pounds. That's why you need to hear this message. And that's why we're going to preach it. Amen. So last week we looked at Acts chapter 1, 8, that you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses yeah. in jerusalem judea samaria and to the ends of the earth that's saying in milton Keynes, in england in the united kingdom in the nations of the world so the gospel when it grips your heart it starts affecting the area right around you but then it affects the entire planet God never designed His good news just for one space or place. He designed it that every creature on the planet could hear it, and it's our primary mandate. Before anything else, our primary mandate is to share the good news about Jesus Christ with the world. Before, you know, so often, I'm just going to be honest with you, in Britain, what happened is, I mean, this country was full of Christianity. Christianity literally shaped this country. This country sent more missionaries to the world than probably any other. The whole of Africa got affected by what happened in this nation. What happened? What happened? The fact that the North sent all the missionaries to the South, and then suddenly the South is starting to send missionaries back to the North. What happened that within one generation... A country that was so impacted by Christianity has ended up in a liberal mess. How does that happen? You know how that happens? When the local church loses the focus of Jesus and starts focusing on social programs and keeping everyone in the church happy and misses the mandate of Christ. And it scares me how quickly that happens. Everyone's happy with the church when we feed the poor, but we don't ever challenge anyone's lifestyle. When we don't talk about sexuality, but we're happy to just make sure we have feeding programs. 
You know, when the lockdowns happen, I'll get a little controversial. I won't go too bad today. But when the lockdowns happen, what gets shut? The local church, non-essential service apparently. But guess what? The activities of the local church, the only activity that can carry on is feeding the poor. Oh, so we're okay for the church to do their job as long as they don't stir up the pot and they feed the poor. That's okay. But their worship services, that's non-essential. Can anyone see the issue? That actually our mandate has never been primarily feed the poor first. It's share the gospel yeah. because you can feed the poor and they can still go to hell yeah. and, unless you share the good news of Jesus. Yeah. Come on. Come We've on. been robbed of this mandate as a church and it's time we get it back and we center our lives around it again and say, hey, my life needs to count for something greater than myself. So there's a continuation that God's doing and he's doing a powerful thing up in Britain because I feel that Britain has got an inheritance in Jesus to send missionaries across the world and to get back our original mandate as a nation to be a sacrificial nation where we actually laid down our lives and we saw thousands of people across the world coming to know Christ but it starts right here. And as a global mission that he's called us to, every single one of you has a part to play. And I'm just going to be real. When was the last time you sat in a church service and the focus was not about you, but was about the global impact that we called to? We've lost it, guys. And we're taking it back. We have to. You might be like, I want to help Africa. Please don't. Come on. Help yourself. Britain, we need to rise up. <laughs> I want to get sent to Africa. You know what revivals are happening in Africa right now? <laughs> Do you know where the mission field is? The most needed mission field is Europe. We are sitting on the doorstep of a massive evangelization of the world that needs to happen right here. And we've got right on our doorstep. Yeah. We as a nation can affect the world. We as a church can change the world. Yeah. You as an individual in this church can change the world. Come you got to just say, Lord, I want to receive your spirit. I'm willing to be a witness right here, right now. But I'm not just going to stop. We're not just going to wait till we've saved Milton Keynes, which might take a little while. We're going to actually go and take the world for Jesus. Yeah. And you might be sitting there saying, whoa. Dylan, this is sounding a bit crazy. I don't know what kind of church this is. That's cool. That's why you're going to come to the partnership course. And if you don't like it, find another church. Because actually, we are on a mission. If you don't want to be on that mission, I'm sorry. But there are other churches with other missions. We love you. I'm not small-minded. I'm like not insecure. I don't need you. Come on. What we need is the Holy Spirit and we need the power of God yeah. to fill us and send us. Amen. And if that's the focus of your life, we can build together. Yeah. We can run together. We can change this world together. Yeah. That's what I want to be a part of because we are called to bless many but build with few. We can be a blessing to many thousands across the world, but I cannot build solid, deep relationships with all those thousands. But what I want to be built into is a local community like this, that is a global perspective where we actually think bigger and we say, I want to do this with mates, that we can run a race together and get to the end of our lives and say, brother, like Brad, a decrepit man with dreadlocks in his old age, walking there. And I mean, you ever seen an old guy with dreads? I don't know. I've never seen it. But Brad will be that man. And he will walk 
and he will stumble. I'll be, I remember that day we preached the gospel in Afghanistan and got shot. You know, I remember that day we went and took the gospel to the middle of Syria and we saw the king. Remember that day we went into Poland and we shook a nation because yeah. suddenly parliament opened to us and we preached the gospel. And we got, I don't know shot again. We imagine the time that we actually had stories and our grandkids are like, Grandpa, what are you doing? I'm going to go preach the gospel yeah. today. Because why? I need to be a witness till the day I die. Yeah. And guess what? The Holy Spirit doesn't respect your age. Whether you're young or you're yeah. old, He uses you. If you say, Amen. I'm willing, here I am, like Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Yeah. That's the desire of His heart. And God says, hey, I'll send you. All I need is someone that's willing. Because yeah. you know what I've noticed in life is that when I look back on my life, it was my 30th birthday, and I was so blessed Ooh. by my beautiful wife and the family that were there. Guys, thank you for, yo, you guys overwhelm me. I'll be sending you messages, but letters that were written and all of that. And some friends from South Africa sent over a video that Anna compiled with like these are guys I've discipled that we've done life together, we've journeyed and we still journey together. Because why? When you build with somebody, you do it for eternity and for life. Yeah. Just because you're in a different location doesn't mean the relationship stops. And they sent these videos and it got to me because I realized the gospel and the global mission that we're part of required sacrifice. It required a cost a calling and you know what sometimes when that happens is i look i looked at those i welled up i could hardly speak when those videos were there because i thought i we left the, i left these guys but it was because of the calling of god yeah and sometimes when it's comfortable that's when god calls you into some uncomfortable things yeah. Yeah. and when they sent those i just remembered what we said yes to and we said yes to global impact wow. we said yes to changing this world and I want to say yes with you guys and say, hey, what is our story 10 years from now going to be? Are we going to look back and say we played it safe as a nice little church? And, you know, yeah, well, yeah we grew. And, you know, maybe there are a thousand people. Yeah, and we're like, oh, wow, we're successful. That's not success. Yeah. We could be a thousand people without the Spirit of God. That's yeah. failure. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. Britain doesn't need that. We, we need a radical wave that's going to shape our culture and change yeah. our culture. Yeah. And that's only going to come when a little community like ours says, Yes, Lord. Yeah. Twelve people shook the earth. So can we. Yeah. What did they have? Nothing different to us. They were uneducated. We're more educated than them. Come on. Yeah. But what did they have? The power of the Spirit of God. Yeah. Come on. Matthew 28, 18. Let me read a scripture so at least I can say I preach from the Bible. Matthew 28, 18. All the heresy hunters are waiting. Come on. Then the, uh, verse 16, it says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. How, how funny is that? They saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. He's right in front of them. Have you ever struggled with your faith? Yeah. And you wonder, like, if I just saw Jesus, I'd have all my faith yeah. sorted. <laughs> These guys have, they lived with him, and then they see him, and they stilled out. Yeah. Numpties, right there. <laughs> Verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority, how much authority? All. In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. So can you say go? Go. go. And make disciples 
of all nations. Can you say how many nations? All. Come on. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything. How much? Everything. Come on. Uh, no, not many people were keen on that part, hey? I, I like the believing in Jesus part, not the obeying part. But anyway. Um, and surely I am with you always. How often is he with us? Always. To the very end of the age. How exciting is that? Can you please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 13? It says this in verse 1. In the church at Antioch. I'll give you a little second. Acts 13, 1. In the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And it lists a bunch of guys. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Can you say called? Called. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. What you guys just did to Eden and I, that's what we're doing. We're living this text. That's why we go. And the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Was it by a program or strategy? No. By who? Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Went down to Seleucia, sailed from there to Cyprus. And then um, verse 5, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elemis, the sorcerer, can you say the sorcerer? sorcerer. That is what his name means. Opposed them. Can you say opposed? opposed. Anyone been opposed by a sorcerer? <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's a cool story. Like when a sorcerer is after you, you know you're doing something right. Uh, and he tried to turn them, maybe we'll find one in Ireland, who knows? Um, Eden can take care of it. And tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, Evangelism 101, this is how we do it, guys. You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. I've been to many evangelism training courses, never had that one. And it says this, you're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of God? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind, and for a time you'll be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him. How quickly was that? Immediately. And he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. How exciting is that, that chapter? I don't know about you. That just yeah. gets me pumped. I'm like, yo, if that was, you know, some people think Christianity is boring. I'm like, that's not boring. I'm sorry. We, we're on the mission trip. Elemis, the sorcerer, pops up. We're like going to the proconsul guy. He's calling us to hear the word of God. Sorcerer rocks up. He's like, yeah, I'm going to turn the proconsul from the faith. And then you're just like, you're, you're a child of the devil. Uh, you're going to be blind. And then he suddenly mist comes over this guy. What that looked like, I don't know. But the guy's blinded. And then it says the proconsul believed. Because he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. You see, teaching in the Bible wasn't just verbal yeah. stuff. It was right. power displayed. Yeah. That's the preaching I'm longing for. I'm pressing in for it, guys. You're like, Dylan, please don't. Well, guess what? I'm going for it. Telling you, we're going to start seeing some cool stuff. But, but here's the deal. 
is opposition isn't always confirmation that you're going in the wrong direction. Generally, opposition is confirmation that you're going in the right direction. If you don't have any opposition in your life, in your walk in faith, I'm concerned. Because you know what I've noticed, and I know quite a few of your stories in this room, and it's a privilege. Honestly, the greatest privilege of my life is pastoring in this church. I absolutely love it with all of my heart. But knowing your stories stirs me up. It fires me up. But what I've noticed, as, as soon as someone starts getting stirred by the Lord and drawn in by God, almost immediately, yeah. opposition arises. And I've seen it in so many lives here. Yeah. Suddenly a family member doesn't like your Christian stuff. And they think, oh, keep that Christian stuff outside of my house. Maybe a friend, your friends start going crazy. They start attacking you, gossiping about you, going all mental. And you think, I just want people to like me. I thought Jesus, uh, remember Jesus said, don't be surprised if the world hates you. See, sometimes we come to faith not knowing the cost. And when God calls us to make global impact, which is what the church in Antioch did, and they were saying, hey, Jesus sent us and we're going to go. And what they did is they sent their best. Barnabas and Saul were the two biggies. (laughs) Those are the guys that you want on your team. But they got sent out. Because a true sending church doesn't measure their success by how much they gather, but by yeah. how much they send. Yeah. And there'll be times when we send our best. I, I, I'm excited for the day when this church sends out another church plant. I'm excited for it. But I'm also saddened by it. Because you know what? We'll be sending our best. Yeah. And we'll be thinking, oh my goodness. There goes Will. Yeah. Mm. Hey, our best. Then we can get rid of Brad. There goes Brad. No, Jay. <laughs> Finally. No, Jay. But we will be sending. Because remember, when the father modeled this, the father sent his son. The best. He's the main sending God of all the universe. He didn't say, yo, let's get an angel to sort this out. Let's send Michael or something. He yeah. sent his beloved only son. Because when the father sends, he wants to send quality into the nations. Yeah. And I challenge you, my friend, is let's raise up a church, a body of Christ. Where imagine all of us took this call seriously, where we prepared our hearts to be sent into the mission field God's called us into. And you might be thinking, Dylan, does that mean we all jump on planes and go? No, no. What that means is being part of the church in Antioch, you were part of sending. And that's what I want to plug this church into. Where we look at it and we think, there's a calling on our lives. There is. But those, I need to ask you, who's opposing your growth or your hearing of the word of God? Think about the people in your life. Who's promoting and encouraging you? Hear the word of God. Or who's saying, hey, stay away from that stuff. Be careful who you allow to influence your life. Because we need people around us who stir us up, fire us up. I know that when I sit with certain guys, I just come away. Uh, Danny and Chris I saw yesterday. I come away like, oof. Mm. You know, just something's fired up here. You know, it's not, not, oh, let's get a script and uh, let me talk about this with Danny and Chris and go through this scripture. No, no, it just flows. Why? Because when the Spirit's on something, He starts stirring up hearts. Amen. And I, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. So Jesus said, hey, all authority in heaven and on earth. Who likes the word authority? Mm. I'll preach about authority in one session or another time. <laughs> uh, just because it's quite a big one. But let's be honest, we don't like authority. We don't like submitting our lives under authority, any authority. 
I mean, watch kids. Yeah. Sinful nature displayed in all of its glory. Yeah. My wonderful Maya Grace, my goodness, you take something away, she goes straight for that thing. No, she doesn't listen. Can you believe it? Nine months old, still no discipline. What's happening with this generation? <laughs> but there's an authority that Jesus claimed back from the cross. When he was raised, he took all authority in heaven and on earth. And that same authority, you are seated in. So when, you, when Jesus says, hey, I've been raised, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, you go. Who go? Ethan, you go. Come on. That's who. Lauren, you go. Come on. Why? Because, Dylan, surely, surely, surely not me. Remember, these are the same guys who denied Jesus, left Jesus hanging, literally, on the cross. And then he goes and he says, you're the guys. Yeah. You go. You go. You go, Asher. Yeah. You go, Naomi. You don't just go to university. You are sent to university. Yeah. There's a very big difference. Yeah. Dylan, I, I, just, I just want to say, what does going mean? It means wherever you're at, when you wake up on a Monday morning, I'm going. I'm going to share this good news with somebody. Yeah. I'm going to speak about Jesus to somebody. I'm just going to pray for this person and actually have my mind filled with a heart for this person to come to know Christ. Two-thirds of God's name is God. <laughs> The other two, the other, <laughs> those of you, others of you are like trying to work it out. I can just see their brains clicking. The other two thirds of God's name is odd. When God sends you, it sometimes can be a bit odd. You will never forget that in your life, I promise you. <laughs> when God sends you, sometimes it doesn't make sense. You know, the call, I'm, I'm just so, I can give you some points for those of you that are accountants and want, you know, order. Calling, cost, and conviction of going to the nations. But looking at the, you know, the calling of God is when He sent me, it doesn't always make sense. Yeah. Yeah. When He calls us, it doesn't always make yeah. sense. Yeah, right. When I left South Africa, I'll never forget, at, I, I, I did actually forget this until the, uh, when I was preparing for this, is that what happened was, just before I left, a bunch of people came to me and said, Hey, Dill, if you start a church, we will join you. We will back you. 40, 50 people to start a church in a country that's a bit easier, church planning. Yeah. And I remember saying, thing, Oh, the temptation. Oh, but God had said, Go. Yeah. And I remember thinking, Well, should I do it? It's so, these are like top notch worshippers preachers you know we'll be kicking off with our running start let's go for it no 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 god said go to a place that you do not know and that you will later receive as an inheritance and about faith abram obeyed and went even though he did not know where he's going yeah. and that meant jumping on a plane with no guarantees and no job but the goodness of god led us to this moment the goodness of god that calling of god led me to my wife come on. don't oh come on man all you single guys Follow the call of God and you will find a wife. Come on, Hey? Come on. It, it works. <laughs> Ladies, follow the call of God and a husband will suddenly pop up. Even in the most random places. Yeah. Come on. Amen. You know, part of this calling, when you see in Acts 13, is that they sent to other churches to build other churches up. Because you might be seeing that me and Anna had a chat about this. Uh, 
uh, we're talking through the theology of why do we go? Why do we go to Ireland? Why do we go to these other nations God's calling us to? The reason we go is to be a blessing to the nations as Abraham was blessed and called to be a blessing. We are plugged into that same thing. And when you go, you get blessed. Every time I've traveled, I've come back more blessed than before I left. Not to get the blessing, but to give. And when the more blessed you are when you give than when you receive. Because it just works that way. And I, I come back so stirred in that. But when we go to Ireland, the, the aim is that, number one, God spoke and called us to the nation. And we don't want to just go into Ireland and preach to crowds and then come back and say how wonderful it was. Or go to Africa and say, I've been to Africa, how tough it was. Oh my goodness, I helped some poor people. That's what mission has been reduced to in Christianity. Yeah. You know the reality of what I want to be a part of? I want to go to all these places and build family in local community where we have relationship with churches across nations that we see the global church rise up and partner together for the sake of his glory we imagine we could celebrate people's birthdays weddings funerals all of the not celebrate but all those things doing life together on an international basis that's what i want to see because when eden's there i mean i'm taking eden and I don't even know if he knows what's going to hit him. Come on. Come on. <laughs> the, the poor guy is preaching to the traveling community on the Friday night. And, um, <laughs> and he's going to be drumming like there's no tomorrow. And I mean, but the priority we're going there, I mean, there are a number of priorities. Number one is find him a wife. Number two, you know, we've got to, we want to see the gospel expand in this guy's life. Shame, I'm just preparing him. He's going to get so slaughtered. It's going to be, it's going to be brilliant. But I guarantee, and I said this to him, your life will not be the same. Because you're going to see something. And you're going to be stirred. But the calling of God is on every heart here. And I want to challenge us that when Jesus said, go into the, the, go and make disciples of who? All nations. It doesn't just say make converts of people to Christianity. Yeah. It says make disciples. Yeah. Do you know making a disciple is a lot harder than making a convert? Mm. Yes. They talk about Africa. The Christianity is what? A mile wide and an inch deep. There's something about discipleship that takes a lot more time. Because you know what discipleship is? It's spending time together. It's hanging out. It's sowing the word into our lives. It's getting deeper in God. It's challenging conversations. It's building relationships. And it takes time and it takes energy that few people are prepared to pay the cost. But I'll call us to it. Because you know a nation is made up of education, healthcare, you know, church. It's made up of religion. It's made up of government. You are all placed and situated in places of influence to disciple this nation. And we've got to get away from this mindset that discipleship happens just on a Sunday or in your life group or when you have a cup of tea with a Christian. No, no, no. You can disciple a whole sector of the economy. If you have that mindset, you know, one of my dreams one of my, I'm just going to be a bit of a dreamer. You might say, Dylan, I know, but that's okay. It's one of my dreams is to disciple the property sector in the United Kingdom. And that's what I'm doing. I'm not just building my own little business so I can, you know, build wealth for myself and my family and all of that. No, no, no. I'm speaking the truth of God into a very non-Christian environment yeah. and showing people that, hey, 
you've got all these properties. What would happen if you just sowed every tenth one into a kingdom project? Yeah. What would happen if we got one-tenth of all the UK property rental market to be sown into kingdom initiative to change the world? Yeah. Yeah. We could finance missionary work for generations to come. Yeah. You see, my mission isn't just to be in property for myself. My mission field is to make a disciple of the UK property sector. Yeah. What's yours? Yeah. Are you called to disciple the legal sector? Praise God they need it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you called to, you know, disciple international development? Yeah. It's in a mess. Someone needs to get involved. Some Christians. Yeah. Are you called to disciple the graphic design industry? I don't know, what, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> yes. Something like that. Are you called to disciple those animals and vets, you know? Yes. Even with dreadlocks. You are the only vet in this country with dreads. I promise you that much. <laughs> yeah, you're the, you're the coolest vet. You know, we're at, um, I might get a little distracted here, but we're at my uh, birthday thing yesterday, and it was so funny. My two uh, non-Christian property mates rock up, and I, I didn't know if they were going to rock up, but two of them, they, they come there, and the guy's like, who are all these people? I said, oh, these are my family, you know, I pointed out different people in the community. And, and Steve, the pastor from Brahman, was there. And he's like, Who, who's that guy? Like, no, he's a pastor from Brahman. He don't look like a pastor. I'm like, um, yeah, yeah, no, he's a pastor. He looks like, what, what is his David name? Getter. David Getter. <laughs> he's like, I'd expect to see him at Arbitha or something, man. He looks cool. <laughs> no, no jokes. This is a conversation that goes down. He's like... Dylan, by the way, you don't look like a pastor either. <laughs> and we laugh because you know why? They don't expect it. Yeah, they don't expect Christians to be in places of workplace influence, but they know something's different. Yeah. And he said, wow, there seems to be something different here. And I know when I chat to them tomorrow, guess what they're going to talk about? Yeah. How you guys changed and impacted their life. Yeah. Because they taste and see something different. Because we call to bless this nation, but to be yeah. sent from this nation. You know, the calling of God in Ephesians 2.20, the Bible says a church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. What that means, apostle means sent. Prophet means what is God saying. That's what the church was meant to be built on. A church that was sent and was concerned with what God says, not with what culture says. Yeah. You know what the problem with our date is today? The church is predominantly built on a pastoral yep. foundation and about being comfortable. Yeah. So it's all about you. The problem with the pastoral pastoring is great. But the problem, if that's the foundation, is you end up with a preoccupation with people's needs. Yeah, yeah. And you forget about the mandate and mission of God. And so many churches plateau at that point and they decline. Because the focus becomes about us. And when the focus becomes about us, it's not about Him. But when we lift Him up, then He draws all men to Himself. Yeah. Come on. We need to get back to being a church that is built on the foundations of God. You know, I remember the calling of God being spoken into my life back 10, 15 years ago. And you know what it was? I remember going every single week as an 18-year-old. 18-year-old. Every Saturday I set aside to seek God. No jokes. You'll remember this, villain. For... That whole day, I'd go into the mountain. It was free. 
And I'd, I'd go up this mountain in Africa, and there'd be giraffe walking around, crazy giraffes chasing me. One chased me, nearly killed me. I'll never forget, I'd go up onto the top of the mountain, overlook the city where I was from, and I'd read about the nations, and I'd memorize scripture. And one of the scriptures I always pray was Genesis 12, where Abram was sent to the nations. I'd pick up the dust, you know, for the, for the sand from the ground. I'd let it go through my finger and say, Lord, give me the nations as my inheritance. Yeah. Give me the nations as my inheritance. And I'll do this week on week on week. When... I was nobody, but I'd look over the sea and say, Lord, give me this nation, give me those nations. And wherever I went on holiday, wherever my footsteps, Lord, give me this nation as my inheritance. I went to Ireland on holiday. Lord, give me this nation as my inheritance. What are we doing? We're taking it as our inheritance. Because yeah. Psalm 2.8 says, ask of the Lord and he'll make the nations your inheritance. Yeah. I challenge you here, whatever your age, Ask of the Lord and He'll make the nations your inheritance. Get a love and desire to see nations come to know Him. Because I get so stirred up when I see different culture groups, different languages worshipping Jesus. Because that's what we're going to see in heaven. And if we really take the mandate to bring heaven to earth seriously, then we need to see this happen on earth. Come on. I'm calling us to it, guys. And I remember being so privileged to grow up in a church that really believed in this thing of sending. Really believed in it. And I remember the stories that I'd hear from preachers that would come in, and one of them was they were planting so many churches at the time that at the the time there was a a couple where the nurse had three months left to finish her degree. Three months. God spoke, said, plant a church in Dubai or Abu Dhabi or something like that, and they literally left that next week. Got on a plane and planted the church. Because when God spoke, they were sent. That kind of radical living. I remember the stories of people taking their calling seriously. Where one guy, he was a nobody in the church. Just a person that just went Sunday after Sunday, faithfully serving, laying down his life. And God spoke to him and said, son, you're going to lead this church. And he remembers thinking, I have never even preached. And so what he so what. What happened is the leader was praying when he was going to hand the church over and he felt this name drop into his heart of this guy. He said, Lord, this guy's never even preached. How am I meant to hand the church over to him? He went and he said, had a meeting with him. He said, "Um, you know, the Lord's told me that I think I might have heard wrong, that you're going to take over this church. And he said, I know you've never preached. He said, that's where you're wrong. He said, two years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to be taking over this church that this will be handed over to me and so every single week I've prepared a sermon and preached to myself in the mirror as if I was preaching to the congregation for two years those are the kinds of stories that I want to flow out of our community a church where we don't worship position but we actually worship Jesus where we're not all sentimental about my position and what I can get from this church, but what can I give and lay down my life for yeah. this church? That's what I'm looking for. You know, Tim and Asher, I met with them earlier. So encouraged by this couple. I'm meeting with all the leaders. We're re-looking at everything, saying, how do we become more effective as a team, as a family, as a church community? And one of the things they said to me right at the beginning, they just said, Still, you know, if, if you ever feel like worship's, you know, the worship ministry is, there's a better couple or something to take it over, you know, let us know. We're happy to serve in it. We love doing it, but we're not, we're not trying to hold on it. We just want to serve wherever we can. 
You know what that is? Servant-hearted leadership. Yeah. That's leadership that's not tied to position and their identity is freed yeah. from that position. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we need to see. Yeah. We need to see a freedom. Come on. The cost of this call is sometimes there'll be times away. There'll be a financial cost, like I said before. But me and Anna have wrestled through this this week. I'll be honest. Hey, we had a little moment. <laughs> Holy moments. I said I'd be real with you guys. But one, one of the things is it's our first trip, you know, as a family with a baby. We, me being sent out. And we knew there'd be a cost in this thing. But now we're starting to pay it. Yeah. And the thing that I, I want to challenge us with and say is, friends, let's count the cost and let's be willing to pay the cost. Because we as a family are working through that and getting the scriptures into our hearts and digging deeper because we want it to be based on a conviction that God's sending us as a family. Because for me to be sent, my wife needs to be willing to send me. But likewise, I'm going to release my wife and send her on a girl's trip to where? Let's send you guys to Israel. Like, come on. You ladies can go change the world. Because actually, there will be a cost to your business. If you're going to take this calling to the nation seriously, your business will take a, take a hit. But I've always seen God's faithfulness and blessing overflow. I sometimes look at my business and I think, could I be further? Absolutely. If I just put the church to one side and just focused on making money and that was my only focus. Of course. More time you sign to something, fantastic. But that's not what God's called me to. And if your calling is to full-time business, great. Make a lot of money. Do it well. And later, sow it into kingdom initiative. Let's yeah. stream big, but there will be a cost. But you know, me and Anna, the thing that we've been talking about and working through is that the, the, the challenge is we've never seen this modeled, you know, as when Anna's grown up in the churches that she's been part of. That's been real. That true apostolic ministry is not something that's common in this nation. Yeah. Where we as a church are on mission together. Mm. Not just one guy flying over. We take people with and we want to build community across nations and continents. Come on. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just build my little family in my little city, in my little country, because this country is little, where I'm significant. I want to build his family, his magnificent city, and his heavenly country. And that's what I want to be a part of. Because actually we're part of something bigger than just us. But it's about Him. Yeah. Come on, guys. Come on. My, my children's children, I want to see this lived out. I want to see them not marrying your son. Come on, bro. Because he'll be a snot, she'll be a snotgrass, which is not happening. Can, can we just have a moment of prayer that my daughter doesn't fall for his son? Father, we pray. You know? but, but one thing about the story and the cost of Christ is I remember having to leave Willem. In South Africa. Sad times. Sad times. I was rejoicing. But, um, <laughs> but I remember leaving Villain and thinking, I had a responsibility. Because what we built was not just a relationship or friendship. It was actually family. I said to him, bro, I'll get you into the UK. I didn't know at the point how. <laughs> Flabio. <laughs> I, I said I'd get you in. And I had no idea how. And then God opened the door and he's here. And he met Emily. Thank you, the Lord, for that. And then he got his passport. But it's a great story. But not yet, so you better behave. 
But the thing that we always dreamt about was our children's children being raised up together. We want our children to see this thing modeled where relationship is eternal and not just temporal. We want to see the family of God growing and being a, the bride of Christ. But the conviction of God, you need to walk in conviction. You can't just trust Dylan for this. This isn't Dylan's idea. Can we just think about that for a moment? This is Jesus' idea. And he sent us and called us. Get the truth into your heart. Guys, please buy a Bible. Please buy a Bible. I know Life Group, we're looking at them. But if you don't have a physical Bible, buy one. Come on. You're not that poor. Seriously. You guys can all afford a Bible, and I'm not going to pay the cost for your Bible. You pay the cost. Get a Bible, because you need to read that Bible and actually get a desire for the Word of God. Yeah. I'm telling you, this whole thing on your phone, I'm going to read the Bible on my phone, repent. That thing is demonic. You know, you're on your phone, and then ping, hey, what's up? Uh, uh, Jezebel said... Oh, you're going to click on the message. You're not going to read about Jezebel when the message came through. You need to get a hard copy Bible where you can get to know Jesus. Yeah. I can change this world. Can you say that? Can you say it with some conviction? I can change this world. Can you say it like you mean it? I can change this world. Do you actually believe it? Yes. Okay, come on. We can, you guys can change this world. It's not just a gener, one generation thing. Our dream is that Willem will go further than me in ministry. My dream and heart is that Brad will go far and beyond. Come on, this, my leadership should be primarily aimed at working myself into a place of no longer being needed. Yeah. My dream is to see Gary and Azal flourishing in the nations. Yeah. My dream is to see Eden one day taking over this church. Yeah. Come on, our dream is to see Will flying far and beyond Tim. Yeah. Hey? And that's, now they're like brotherly eyes. <laughs> I just saw that brotherly tension rise there. Tim's heart should be for the worship team to go far and beyond to write better songs, sing then, better than themselves, because they're yeah. not insecure thinking, oh, that takes away from me. No, no, it's about him. And I want to see preachers that are a hundred times better than me, and they already are. Because what we're building is a discipleship thing where our success is not measured just by how well we do in our gifting, but measured by who we raise up with us. Yeah. Hallelujah. So next year, a, a bit of application here. You might be saying, Dylan, what do I do with this? Well, number one, position your life in this house. Get, get plugged in. Yeah. And that's part of this course. And while Becky's come on to team... She's doing a, some admin for the church officially. And I tell you, she's going to do a good job. Because yeah. when I was doing the handover with her, I was like, oh my goodness. This started, like, I, I just felt like a demon was leaving me. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, thank the Lord that this is passed on. And Becky's like excited about this. I'm like, praise God. Uh, but she's smashing it with ideas and all of that. I want to yeah. support her in that. I truly believe she's going to do such good things. But the, the work into the nations will flourish as a result of Becky. Yeah. Yeah. Because what she does will impact nations. Yeah. And that's the vision that we have. But when we do this course next month, I want to encourage you, be there. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Put everything aside. Take leave. Do what you need to do. Because when we cover these things, at the end of it, if you're like, Dill, you know, you're close. I, I, I just can't agree with the vision of this church. That's cool. Move on. Yeah. I love you so much, but please go. Yeah. 
Because the reality is, what we want to do is say, hey, we convicted on these things. These are close-handed things. We're going to run together for all eternity. Let's lay down our lives for a generation to come. Because Britain, do you know, Church of England, statistics, monthly, weekly attendance, has dropped by 50%, from 1.6 million to 800,000 within 18 years. 1.6 million to 800,000 in the largest thing in the UK. And that's probably quite accurate across the board. And people are like, oh, that church is big. Guess, guess how many people actually met Jesus in that church? Or how many were transferred or raised in Christian homes? Let me just get real here. How many are first-generation believers in Christ? Yeah. Or how many have arrived from foreign countries where they met Jesus in South America, Africa? We have a massive immigration thing here in the UK. I mean, look at all these South Africans. And what you see, but what I'm longing for is imagine we had a church where we just saw thousands of people who are not from Christian homes, never seen Jesus in their family, and they suddenly loving and worshiping Jesus, leading their parents' parents to Jesus. And imagine that was how we grew predominantly by that. If you're from a church background, that's great. I love you. But the focus is not on you. The focus is on those that don't actually know Him yet. Come on. So position your life and get on that course because it's going to just set us to take the city yeah. i'm telling you but also let's dream together pray for us in ireland mm. we need it eden especially yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love you bro you're gonna you're gonna rock it but but i i really want to see us not sulking in the winter mm, come on yeah. i don't want to see us like oh it's so cold <laughs> all the all these south africans in the room I challenge you and I rebuke you in advance. If any of you talk about how bad the weather is, I pray the fleas of a thousand camels will infest your armpits. Because you know the reality? The reality is you have a choice to make what you decree out of your mouth. And if you focus on the weather, you've missed Jesus. I'm I'm speaking now. Me and Anna made a decision one winter. We're not going to complain. It was hard. We're like, it's such snuggly weather. That was code for we're about to die. But here's the thing. We are not going to talk about the weather and focus on that. We're going to put our focus on Jesus this winter. Let's make a decision as a church not to decrease but to increase. And the last thing I want to say is next year, we are going to be hosting a conference in Milton Keynes for all the nations. And everyone that's relationally connected to us as a church will be coming to that. And so we're going to be sending out invitations, anyone you know. But my heart is we're going to gather leaders and people from across the nations that God's stirring in their hearts and trusting for an outpouring of His Spirit in that time to plant into nations of the earth. So let's get on mission together. And I know it's been a bit of a run today. I love you. But I wonder if worship team, could you guys just come up, please? I'd like to end... And we do this often. You might say, Dill, why do you keep praying for the presence of God to come? And here's the honest truth. Because we need it. Yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't get away from this thing that you might want to come and go. That's cool. But the reality is we need a movement of His Spirit. And I just want to press in more. And one of the, the heart's desires for us is to be directed by the Spirit in all our mission work that we do. So I wonder if we can stand, I want to pray over you for the commissioning and ascending to the presence of God. Yeah.